This is the Contractor's Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Welcome to Solar Power World's monthly podcast, Contractor's Corner. I'm host Kelly Pickerel, and today I'm talking with Brian O'Hara. He is Senior Vice President of Strategy and Government Affairs for Strata Solar, a large-scale EPC based in North Carolina. So nice talking with you today, Brian. Nice to talk to you too, Kelly. So what is Strata Solar's background? Have you guys always been focused on large projects? Uh, we have for most of our company's life, but not all of it. So we're about a 10-year-old company. We're privately held based in um, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It, we actually got our start in the solar thermal rooftop space and um, it, so did some early projects there. And then was really Strata was the company that kind of cracked the code on the utility scale qualifying facility market in North Carolina. And once we did that, it was sort of off to the races in utility scale without looking back. So at this point now, we've developed and built about a gigawatt and a half of solar projects. We're North Carolina-based, but we're operating nationally now. We're also a vertically integrated company where we do everything from the front-end greenfield development through the EPC work and then the back-end O&M work for ourselves and others as well. Okay. Yeah, you guys have been a pretty big name in like the Carolina solar market. So when did you first branch out to other states and other areas of the country? It's been about um, about five years now, so really like half of the, the life of the company. Um, we got started in places like California, Missouri, Tennessee, Georgia, Virginia, a, a lot, you know, a while ago, five years ago. And today we're operating in, I think we're developing in about 17 states. We're certainly operating nationally at this point, <clears throat> West Coast, um, Northeast, Desert Southwest, Intermountain West, um, Texas, uh, and cl- you know, clearly a strong presence in the Southeast as well. Mm-hmm. Was it pretty easy to kind of enter those new markets? Yeah, I think it was pretty natural. I mean, some of actually uh, some of our earliest plays, again, outside of the markets were were not utility scale. We did a couple CNI rooftop. Uh, operations, but um, you know, after sort of building our chops in the utility scale space in North Carolina, um, we, I think we've we've probably developed and built um, in terms of number of projects um, more than almost anyone in the country. So you know, branching out to new markets really wasn't that difficult for us. Mm-hmm. How are you getting most of your projects? Are you are you submitting bids? Yeah, we're doing um, we're doing a combination of things. So. Obviously, in markets like uh, like North Carolina, where there there is a kind of a purpose-driven market, we've um, we've done sort of greenfield development there. Those markets are are starting to become fewer and fewer. Um, in a lot of our markets, we are bidding into competitive RFPs. Uh, we're also looking at the corporate offtake market and sort of negotiating directly with with corporate buyers. And and then we're also in the CNI space um, selling to building owners. You know that's another channel. And in the EPC space, we we do a lot of our own EPC for our own projects. Um, and then we also do some third-party EPC on a on a fairly selective basis. So we're not sort of out blanketing trying to do EPC everywhere, but where we think it makes strategic sense and and uh, in order to build strategic partnerships with companies like utilities, we'll do selective EPC bidding for them as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. With with your ground mounts, are you doing more tracking systems or more fixed tilt systems? We do single axis trackers wherever we can. Okay. So 
sometimes the topography is too steep uh, and that would lead us towards a fixed tilt, but today we're, we're doing trackers wherever we can. That's a, it's a reasonably recent um, change for us. You know, most of our older projects were fixed tilt because the economics were better, uh, but now we're finding with the cost of the tracker systems down, um, you know, they're competitive enough where the, the extra energy output from a tracker system more than offsets the incremental cost of the tracker system versus a fixed tilt. So, so we're really doing trackers wherever we can. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing more bifacial projects picking up in, in tracking? Not yet in the utility space. We're looking at it in the CNI space, but we really haven't started uh, looking seriously at that in the, in the utility space. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do the requirements on these large-scale projects, do they differ from state to state? And maybe how does Strata Solar keep up with all the different jurisdic jurisdiction requests? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say, so I think you bucket that into two categories. There's the permitting side of projects, and then there's the interconnection to the grid side of projects. And on the permitting side, they absolutely vary state to state. In fact, they vary, they can vary county to county. Um, and, and then on the interconnection side, certainly varying state to state and vary depending on which ISO or RTO market that we're in. You know, we sort of look at it as, on the, especially on the permitting side, all development is local, sort of like all politics is local, all development is local. And it really takes uh, a local teams with local experts, um, with local consultants to really get in and understand an area. Um, a lot of communities, we, we help sort of guide them through the permitting process as well. Solar is still new in some places. Um, and so we've been involved in a lot of places where we help draft ordinances, bring best practices from some of our other states that we've operated in. Um, but really try to act as a partner for the for the local communities as well. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you're still doing a lot of education, just kind of pushing solar forward in a lot of these places. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the education is going to continue. You know, we're going to start do, we're going to start fresh with doing education on battery storage too, where we're starting to see more of that. But yeah, I think that's a big part of a developer's job is to to work with build trust with and educate the, the local communities. And if you don't do that, if we don't, as a, as a development community, invest the time and resources into, into educating and becoming partners for these communities, I think we risk sort of burning the bridge uh, to our own markets. So it really takes more than one developer. I think it takes kind of a collective effort from the development community to really be responsible when dealing with local communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you approach hiring workers in all these different areas? Yeah, we um, we love to hire local. I mean, especially on the EP. So this, I think, this is mostly a, a question about EPC mm -hmm. workers, and um, we we love to hire hire local. So when we have a big EPC job in an area, we'll often hold a job fair. Um, the other the other preference that we have uh, is really geared towards hiring military veterans. Um, we find that veteran, military veterans are, uh, are, are an excellent uh, job resource or worker resource for us. Um, they are disciplined. They're used to working outside in difficult conditions. They have experience, oftentimes experience, with um, maintenance, military maintenance programs that can help us both on the construction and the O&M side. So, that's a, so I'd say our two preferences in hiring workers for EPC is hire local and hire military. Mm -hmm. well, that's great. 
want to talk about the the solar tariffs. I know a lot of uh, residential installers really haven't noticed anything, but I'm wondering with with Strata's business being a little bit larger, how have the solar tariffs affected you guys? Yeah, I think the solar tariffs uh, have probably affected everybody in the utility scale space. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, the tariffs are, it's interesting, they're, they're, I'll say up front, it's terrible policy from <laughs> our perspective. We think the tariffs are, are terrible policy. Um, however, at least having the certainty about what the tariffs are now um, allows us to plan the business. When we were going through the process where we didn't even know what the t- what, whether there would be tariffs and what they were going to be, it injected so much uncertainty into the market that it drove prices up anyways yeah. and then made it very difficult to, to secure panels, made it very difficult to plan for the future. So that's behind us. We still have you know, a bad policy with bad tariffs in front of us, and they absolutely are affecting projects on the margin. So there are projects that would have been economic without the tariffs that are no longer economic, and so we're building less solar than we would have, and we're employing less people than we would have without the tariffs. But they're not at the level where it's it's slowing us and stopping us by any means. We still see tremendous growth opportunities in solar. We're still uh, very, very busy and uh, and you know, luckily these tariffs should phase down over time, um, and we can get back to normal. But um, I'd say it's a speed bump in the road for the solar industry, but it's certainly not going to stop us. Is there anything you guys can do to try to make projects more um, economical? Like, is energy storage an option to help along these projects with these these, these panel tariffs? Yeah, um, I think the efforts to reduce cost are, are sort of, they happen with or without the tariffs. I mean, mm-hmm. there are certainly ways that we're looking for cost reductions um, as a result of the tariffs. But really, especially when we're, we're dealing in competitive bid markets, you really have to bring your A game on costs. And I think everyone is finding out that we, we see some shockingly low bid numbers. I mean, even some of the bid numbers we put together, I think, you know, two years ago, we would have said there's no way we could get there, um, and here we are. So I think cost cost pressure and cost reduction continues to be a, a really significant focus for this industry. I think storage is an interesting one, uh, an interesting thing to bring up because storage is one of those things that makes because it can make a plant so much more flexible in the way it operates. Um, I think it actually has the ability to open up new revenue opportunities that a PV only plant wouldn't have. So um, makes it a little, uh, a lot trickier to, to bid and operate and understand, mm-hmm. but I think there's also a lot more opportunity. Have you guys been doing any storage projects? Yeah, we are, we are all in on energy storage. Um, we're looking at, uh, you know, we're already bidding projects uh, into solar RFPs with storage component included with them. Uh, we've recently been shortlisted on a an RFP in the desert south desert southwest that was looking to provide peaking capacity so peak power mm-hmm. and it was an an all source RFP so we competed against you know folks bidding natural natural gas peaker plants and we were shortlisted with a solar plus storage project there hmm. we're um, we're so that's I mean that's a trend that you know we're just sort of over over the inflection point of uh, being competitive with gas peaker plants and solar plus storage is going to start to work its way down down that value value curve so that we're able to compete in more and more spaces in the utility market. Yeah. Um, 
We're also looking at uh, storage-only developments. So we've got we've got projects in our development pipeline that um, don't even have a solar component to them. It's it's a battery, a grid-connected, large-scale, utility-scale battery. Um, so yeah, we're we're all in on energy storage. Nice. Okay. You mentioned that you guys are also doing O and M. So can you talk a little bit about that? Is that mostly just for strata-built projects? Yeah, so Stratabuilt Projects is where we got our start in O&M, but starting in about 2015, we started to leverage the scale and experience that we developed through our own uh, O&M on our own portfolio and go out to market and begin offering O&M on a third-party uh, basis to other folks in our network. And now fast forward to today and about 50, probably about 50% of, uh, of our O&M portfolio, which is pushing two gigawatts, um, is for third parties, and and in doing O and M for third parties, we've uh, we've really learned a lot. You know, we've we've had to reach uh, NERC low impact compliance levels. We've built a lot of expertise dealing with um, substation maintenance, transmission grid interaction, and because we're uh, we're operating projects that others, a lot of other companies have built, we've gotten a huge range of exposure to different equipment manufacturers and service providers and, and, and inverters and tracker systems and things like that. So, yeah, O&M is a big part of our business. It's a, it's a growing arm of our business. We sort of look at the O&M side of things as a, it's, it's a go big or go home, and we have definitely decided to go big on that, on that space. What are some unique approaches to O&M that you may be using? I, I love seeing stories of, like, sheep doing vegetation management. Are you guys into any of that? We love the sheep and vegetation <laughs> management. Yes, we are. We are doing that where it makes sense. It doesn't make sense everywhere, but where it does, we certainly are uh, are using sheep for vegetation maintenance. Um, you know, we've we've done a lot of really interesting stuff in this space. Another thing that we've tried, tended to focus on is looking at um, planting pollinator-friendly mixes uh, in and around our solar farms. So we've worked with a number of uh, environmental groups. And, uh, and university folks to come up with some pollinator planting programs that we think are, are pretty good. Um, we have a lot of experience working with farmers in communities uh, that have solar projects. So, you know, we try to, we try to uh, do what we can to help uh, the local agricultural community, um, especially in adjacent farms. And, and, you know, having kind of pollinator banks is a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and I'd, so that's on the kind of the, the vegetation maintenance side. I think some of the other fairly unique stuff that we're doing on the O&M side is trying to strike the right balance between, you know, technology and, and people skills, pe uh, people with technical skills. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we've got, um, we certainly employ like a lot of other O&M providers do, remote monitoring and sensors and drones to, to do as much diagnosis of solar farms as we can and, and really try to diagnose uh, problems and issues without having to roll a truck out into the field, that results in cost savings that, you know, we can then pass through to our customers and offer lower O&M rates. But we've also seen, you know, we've tried to really focus on having our O&M technicians um, have a, a really deep understanding about how, how energy and power grids work. And uh, we've, we've been approached, for example, in the past by asset owners whose previous O&M provider had a really flashy dashboard and remote monitoring, but when issues would come up, 
um, they didn't have the expertise in-house to really diagnose those issues, and so it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't leveraging that technology in the way that, that you can. And so we've really tried to kind of balance those two things, both technology for monitoring and, um, you know, the right people with the right skill sets. Mm-hmm. You kind of mentioned just like with the tariffs, it's, it's made you guys need to reduce costs all across the board. So what do you think is going to drive large-scale solar development in the coming years? Is that just really going to be the focus, just reducing costs? I think it's, I think it's two things. I think it's, it's yeah, continuing to reduce costs and, uh, and become even more competitive than we are today. And I think the falling cost of battery storage and then coupling battery storage with solar PV is going to be a huge driver for the growth of solar PV in the future. I think we already see in markets, really high penetration markets like California, you know, you're really going to need storage at some point. Um, it becomes a lot easier to integrate uh, new solar PV when you've got storage there to, to both provide grid services, to time shift the power to times when, when you might need it more, to control ramp rates, things like that. So I think, um, you know, we see a preview of it in markets like California, but I think in markets all over the country, as battery storage prices get lower, um, and they're falling fast. I mean, they're falling, you know, as faster than solar PV did, and uh, the cost of modules. And, and no one predicted how fast those were going to fall. So, I think it's going to be very, very interesting market over the next several years as we see um, storage really start to open up the possibilities for what renewables can do. Mm-hmm, definitely. So what is Stratosolar's plan for the next few years? You want to enter some some more states? Yeah, we're so we're already uh, operating fairly nationally in the markets that that uh, that we see as a priority. You know, we're not in every single market. I think um, we've tended to try to focus in where we see the the biggest opportunities and where we may bring some unique strengths. I think our focus is going to be to invest very heavily and aggressively in the front-end development to, to continue to build our development pipeline um, in anticipation of markets that we know are coming. I think we're going to continue to um, focus on being a trusted partner for some of our customers like, uh, like several utilities that we've done work with, you know, being a partner that can deliver everything from the development, front-end development through to the EPC and, and out to the O&M provider, you know, being kind of a one-stop shop really allows us to be that trusted partner. So I think we see that as a strategic strength of ours and something that we're going to continue to build on. And and like I said a couple times, I think, you know, moving into energy storage, you know, we see a future where uh, where solar is, is going to need storage at some point in the future to continue growing. And so, like I said before, we're, we're all in on energy storage as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Thanks for talking with me today, Brian, and letting me get to know Stratosolar. My pleasure, Kelly. Thank you. This has been another edition of Contractors Corner. Join us each month as editor Kelly Pickerel chats with solar installers across the country. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World podcast. Visit us online to hear more great podcasts, view industry videos, great editorial content solarpowerworldonline.com see you back here next month